What's up, New York? You're listening to the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. Hey guys, this next segment is brought to you by the Blackhawk Group. Blackhawk Group offers an unparalleled customer support service combined with top-level classroom installations and equipment servicing. They have years' worth of experience in this field, experience that is unmatched by competitors anywhere. Learn more about Blackhawk Group at www.blackhawkgroupllc.net. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Empire State Conserve Network podcast. On today's show, we're going to be discussing how New York State remains on a federal watch list for inadequately educating special needs students in its public schools. Also, how New York State is working on creative, quote-unquote, ways to tax the ever-living crap out of us, and how New York's Attorney General is holding is looking into the President's business dealings. Before we get into all that, first of all, if you're new to the show, welcome to the Empire State Conserve Network podcast. Jeez, my hat. Oh, there it is. It's a little more straight now. I have an egg-shaped head, but it's a little tilted in one direction. Anyway, the New York State, the Empire State Conservative Network podcast is for New York-based conservatives who are sick and tired of being neglected by your local and state politicians and obviously of how the state's being run. You're also sick and tired of being mistreated by friends, family, co-workers for thinking differently than they do about politics, about life in general, because you have a different perspective. And the reason that we started this show, I'll get into this more towards the end, um, and, and a speaking event that we're doing a little bit later today, is because... We need to get up and we need to fight. This isn't just about me or Evan or Justin, the other two co-founders of Empire State Conservative Network. This is about taking back New York State. New York State ranks 50th out of 50 on the Cato Institute scale of economic freedom. Obviously, there's a ton of red tape if you're a small business owner or even a large business owner. You also know that we are taxed extremely heavily. I mentioned on yesterday's show, or two shows ago, that New York State and New York City respectively. So for every state in the union, New York is the most heavily tax burdened statewide. Doesn't matter where you live. Same goes with New York City. Out of all the major metropolitan areas in the country, New York City is has the highest tax burden out of any other city in the union. And we talk a lot of crap about states like Oregon and California and Illinois, when in actuality, we're probably much worse off than they are. And because we have such a blue state Senate, because Andrew Cuomo is now on his third term in office, we are way behind the eight ball. They passed things like the DREAM Act, the Reproductive Health Act, Safe Act 2, the Red Flag Gun Law, just to name a few things that they passed. And as I'm going to go into a little bit later, they're extremely corrupt. They're looking to take total control over our lives. And the only way that we are going to be able to get them out of office is if we organize, if we fight, and if we vote them out starting in 2020, the next chance we get, and moving on from there. We also want to make clear that politics is local. Today is all about statewide stuff. Sometimes we're going to focus on individual things happening in different parts of the state. By the way, later on, I'll offer you something, a way of becoming a donor. If you become a donor... You can gauge Monday through Friday what we talk about, what stories we talk about. You can make us aware of things going on in your part of the state that maybe we're not aware of because Evan and I are down on Long Island. Justin lives in the city. So we only know mostly about local stuff in and around here. But obviously, if you live north of Westchester County, we're not as up to date. So please let us know and we'll be sure to look into these things and talk about them for you. So anyway, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today. So New York State is on a federal watch list for inadequately meeting the needs of special education students. So this is from a Times Union piece by Rick Carlin. I'm going to read and then discuss. So New York has spent a decade on a federal watch list due to its failure to properly educate students with disabilities. That came as news to the State Board of Regents, whose members set education policy for the state. After learning of the list during a Monday presentation by State Education Department staff, board members appeared blindsided by news of the ongoing deficiencies in New York's performance. That's what happens. A lot of these Democratic politicians live in la-la land. Getting back. And this was said by Regent 
James Cottrell. Um, I've been here eight years, and last one was the first time I've seen all the red dots in, in re- reference to the scores that have landed New York in the, quote, needs assistance category on the Federal Department of Education's list. The list is part of an analysis of how well states are conforming to requirements of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, which is supposed to guarantee an appropriate education for students with disabilities. Said Regent Judith Johnson, quote, I'm just totally confused on how we've managed not to know this. How could this have happened? Said Regent Nan Aileen Mead. Looking at it in the aggregate is shocking. Moreover, two capital region school districts, Albany and Schenectady, are listed among the most deficient. State Education Commissioner Mary Ellen Elia and staffers said they had informed the board of the problems in previous years, although it was presented in different ways. Last year, for instance, Elia said the department had maps of the state outlining where the problems existed, but some board members described them as more like snapshots and comprehensive reports. Said Elia on Monday, quote, the presentation was specifically to highlight material that may have that they may have seen in other formats, excuse me. We're working very closely with the federal government and their group of specialists. They know that we are moving forward with a plan, she said. The Federal Department of Education looks at how individual school districts are educating children with disabilities on a number of measures, including graduation rates, test scores, parental involvement, suspension rates, and whether a child is in the, quote, least restrictive environment. 44 of the state's nearly 700 school districts failed to meet the IDEA standard, according to the 2017-18 Department of Education survey, and that's enough districts to land the state on the, quote, needs assistance list. Albany and Schenectady are in need of federal intervention, the agency determined. A notation on the scoring sheet showed that Schenectady had been on the list for 10 years and Albany has been on it for 12. Albany City School spokesman Ron Lesko said school principals and psychologists this year were trained in disciplinary approaches for special education students. He expects the district should be in compliance when the current school year is assessed. Most of the deficient schools serve urban populations with high concentrations of students in poverty as well as those who are English language learners, so English isn't their first language. Also cited were Buffalo, Kingston, Elmira, Hempstead, right around here, Rochester, Syracuse, where I went to college, Yonkers, and some in New York City. It wasn't immediately clear how severe the penalties were for being on the state list. One possibility would be restrictions on how federal funds are used. Overall, 17 districts in New York need intervention, while 27 need assistance, a less severe rating on IV under the IDEA Act. The figures discussed Monday were preliminary and are scheduled to be finalized in June. The state's low rating prompted board members to discuss what could eventually be a rethinking of a policy developed more than a decade ago under former Commissioner of Education Richard Mills to have kids with disabilities take Regents exams in order to graduate from high school. It was part of a push to raise academic standards that has since been eased but continues to pose challenges for students with disabilities said Regent Roger Tillis, quote, we were predicting that it was going to be demoralizing. That has all come true. All right. So basically, it looks like our education system is not meeting the needs of special special needs students. Moral of the story. And obviously, we went to some detail in that story. Now, here's the thing. And this is something that a lot of people uh, right of center, whether you're libertarian or you're more conservative, believe. They believe in school choice, that it shouldn't all be done in the government. I'm going to tell you a quick story about myself. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we don't have a ton of time. I have engagement to get to tonight for Empire Second Service, which we'll get into a little bit later. But long story short, I went K through 12. 
I always felt that I was being indoctrinated in some way. Couldn't really put my finger on it. I remember being talked about, you know, abortion being talked about in grade school. And I remember having a different opinion on it than most people. The teachers, the faculty were trying to push the fact that pro-choice is great. And in very, very rare instances, I would actually tend to agree. But for the vast majority of cases where the woman's life is not in danger, where it's not a product of rape or incest, then guess what? I firmly believe that you should have the child, whether you want to care for it or not, is a whole other discussion. If you're not going to care for it, Please set it up for adoption. There are many, many families out there that cannot conceive, that are not fertile, one of them or both of them, and therefore they will accept and love your child. And obviously another thing too that the left likes to take away from us this is the case with participation trophies being introduced in childhood and things of that nature, is that you are not responsible for your actions. That's the government, that's your environment, it's somebody else's fault that you messed up. If you had unprotected sex, whether you're married or not, doesn't matter. If you had unprotected sex and a kid is on the way and you don't feel financially, emotionally, or any means ready to have it, that sucks, but it's on you. And if you're physically capable of carrying the child to term, I truly believe you should have it. I've always believed that. I believed that since I was eight years old. And... You know, going on and on and on, I've always felt that things were a little off kilter. I went to college. There was even more indoctrination in terms of supporting racial and social injustice when I never felt that anybody on the campus was racially or socially um, oppressed. In fact, I thought that we put certain people on a pedestal over others, which is never a good thing to do in the society. I believe, like our founders said, all men, that includes women, are created equal um, and all that other stuff. So anyway... I was indoctrinated all throughout college. I was meant to believe that if I went to college, got a degree, that I'd be well on my way to success. Turns out, it didn't. I left college with absolutely zero skills, nothing but my brain, and I had to figure things out for myself. I dabbled in sales and marketing jobs that paid like crap, to barely support myself, and I lived downstate. I live on Long Island. I lived in either the city or different parts of Long Island, depending on where I was in my 20s. And let me tell you, a $40,000 a year salary before taxes, even if there's some commission and other things thrown in there, is not adequate. It's just not enough to really get by unless you get a great deal or you're living in your parents' basement, which I have not done at any point since I graduated college. So anyway, I've seen the indoctrination firsthand and I've seen the misgivings. There are plenty of things, grammar, for example, which I had to learn on my own, by the way. I was not taught grammar in school, nor were any of my fellow millennials in my generation. We weren't taught basic common sense. We weren't taught a lot of things. There was shop class. There were certain things that are necessary to learn, but you weren't forced to take them. You could do something else in its place. And that really screwed me. There's a lot of stuff in my 20s that I should have learned in my teens or even earlier that was not part of the curriculum. And I feel that a lot of students are underserved quite frequently by the public education system. It's for like factory workers, industrial workers, people on an assembly line. Learn your task, do your task well, boom, 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 get through the day, work your eight to 12 hours and get out. You get your paycheck. Maybe you move up the corporate ladder. Who knows? That's what we are indoctrinated into, and it's just not good. I believe in school choice. I believe that there are some good charter schools and private schools that do a better job of educating kids. And I feel that as parents, you have a responsibility to your children to put them in the best place of success. So if you live in one of the areas that I mentioned in the state and the public school system is not up to par, whether it's for special needs students or otherwise, don't get the federal government involved. Find a private school if you can. If you can't afford it, you know, Larry Sharp, who obviously did not win the governorship, but he had a great idea. We pay about 20 grand per student per year. Instead of giving that towards the public school system, 
Give that directly to the parents. Let them decide where their child's going to go to school. If they have a good public school system, maybe they just keep them in the town and they put the money towards that school. Or if that area does not have a good public school system, rather than asking for state or federal assistance, find a private or charter school nearby or within driving or commuting distance that will enable your child to get the best education possible, personalized to them. And guess what? If that is the cost, $20,000 per year per student is the voucher people receive, guess what tuition will be each year? You invest it, 20 grand. They're not going to turn people away. Some might because, you know, some glitzy Catholic private schools may charge an arm and a leg, double or triple that. But for the most part, they'll try and fall in line. They'll want to remain competitive. They'll want as many good quality incoming students as possible. And obviously diversity and racial and social justice being such a big thing, they'll accept people from all over, from all walks of life. And they'll give them the education they deserve to give them equality of opportunity, which conservatives believe it. They don't believe in equality of outcome. Those are two very different things. And we can get as close to equality of opportunity as possible in that respect, as opposed to equality of outcome, which let's just face it, different people have different ambitions, different work ethics, different strengths and weaknesses that will leverage them over other people. That's just how life works. So uh, you're never going to get equality of outcome, but you can get equality of opportunity. And that way, everybody can thrive to the best of their capabilities, or at least they'll be in a much better position to do so. In regards to this, it just goes to show you how badly um, the public school system has gotten for the most part. There are still good districts in the state, but for the most part, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Federal state assistance is not required, in my opinion. I think a massive overhaul and a massive reassessment of how the education system is is the only way that we're going to remain competitive with geopolitical threats like China and many places in Asia and even in Europe that are churning out students who are much smarter and much more capable and have much more, many more skills than most of us Americans do. This next segment is brought to you by Items for All Occasions. Items for All Occasions specializes in helping you sync up with what you need for your event's promotional needs. Whether it's announcements, cards, giveaways, invitations, tchotchkes, or video books, they have you covered. Learn more about Items for All Occasions at www.itemsforalloccasions.com. Anyway, let's move on here to the ridiculous tax proposals part of Albany's new status quo. This is a New York Post article written by Michael Goodwin. So we said, so I'm going to read it and then we're going to discuss, we could, the assembly leader says, raise the gasoline tax. Another lawmaker wants to allow recreational marijuana and tax it. Someone else suggests an internet sales tax. Governor Cuomo pushes a Manhattan congestion tax. Covered that on my show last week. A state senator wants to soak the rich who buy expensive second homes in New York State. The budget director surveys the lucrative offerings, adds up the estimated haul, and says the total probably still wouldn't be enough to fund borrowing for the five-year $40 billion with a B dollar capital plan for mass transit. Welcome to Albany, where a series of casual trial balloons passes for serious decision-making. And all the money in the world will never be enough. The impact on those who would have to fork over the dough? Not important. Whatever government needs, it takes. Notice what else is missing. Any mention of spending less on anything. Is every single program in the state budget of $180 billion absolutely essential? Could maybe just one agency do more with less? Outrageous. Have you no compassion? You also don't hear serious talk about reforms in the sense that cost savings in one area could be used to fix the subways. The subways are absolutely critical, we're told repeatedly, but apparently not critical enough that any existing funds could be shifted to them. All the money must be new. There is no talk of reform because there are no reformers in Albany. 
If there is a single one, he or she has not been heard from. It used to be said reformers went there to do good and stayed to do well. Now, to judge by the results, reformers don't go to Albany at all. New York State, and we're going to talk about that in a second. New York State is in trouble, and all the proposals would throw gasoline on the bonfire. The state leads the nation in population loss, and thanks to the federal limits on the, on the deduction of state and local taxes, excuse me, the steady exodus of high earners and middle-class families threatens to become a stampede to lower tax states. We've talked about this many times before. In response, Albany now run entirely by left-wing Democrats devotes its waking hours considering only which taxes to raise. This is suicide, like playing Russian roulette with a bullet in every chamber. The results are guaranteed. A few numbers to consider. One, the state spent $22,000 $366 per pupil in public schools in 2016. I just talked about that. 90% above the national average, the U.S. Census Bureau said last year. State school age to localities grew by 36% between 2012 and 2018, yet it's not enough. New York City now spends over $24 billion on schools, or about twenty-four grand per student. The only question is how much more will it get this year. None of the taxes under consideration is a good idea, but the congestion tax is the worst. There's absolutely no promise that charging vehicles astronomical fees to enter Midtown South of 61st Street would have any measurable impact on the arteries clogged not just by cars and trucks, but by bicycle lanes, pedestrian plazas, and construction. Yet by definition, by saying that they want fewer vehicles in Midtown, the Pauls are effectively labeling congestion, pricing a syntax. Like ultra-high taxes on tobacco and alcohol, or like the sugar tax Michael Bloomberg pushed, syntaxes are designed to make the activity involved so expensive that some people will stop. But if a congestion tax is successful, and fewer people drive into Midtown, there will be fewer dollars for the subways. So the tax, which is started at about $12 a day for a car, Jesus, and $25 for a truck, would have to be raised to make up for the quitters. Presumably, a higher tax would disincentivize others from driving, so the tax would have to be raised again, and the spiral would be endless. Very true. And what of other implications? While some drivers may opt for mass transit, which is allegedly the goal, others may skip the city altogether, which is what I do. What's the economic impact on theaters, restaurants, and retailers of government taking $1 billion more per year out of the private economy? How about the impact on real estate if there's a pied-à-terre tax? I don't even know what that is, some French terminology. <laughs> would any of this make New York more or less affordable, and for whom? And how big is too big for government? All you hear is that the subways need lots more money, and new revenue streams must be found. The only things off the table are real cost controls at the MTA, and having the people who actually use the system to pay for it. Instead, it's all about redistribution, about who will subsidize somebody else's ride. When he campaigned in 2010, Cuomo famously said New York, quote, has no future as a tax capital of the nation. Yet by any honest measure, the tax burden grows worse each year. While he focuses only on the state economy, state income tax and property taxes, which have been capped at a 2% increase per year outside the city, the race to fund the subways is a good example of how other taxes and fees are popping up like mushrooms after a rainstorm. The congestion tax alone will be the largest single tax on middle-class New Yorkers in modern times, clocking in at about $3,500 a year. If Cuomo gets it, expect that a lot more people will become former New Yorkers. Guys, this is what we're up against. This is why we started Empire Conservative Network. This is why we need a fight. All they're doing and all they've done, like you talked about at the top of the show, since 
this blue Senate came in. Since Cuomo got elected to his third term, they passed law after law after law that does not meet the needs of the vast majority of New Yorkers. They're, ta they're raising taxes, and they're, like I said, like this article showed, finding new ways to tax us on more items in more ways. Just to go into the city, Cuomo has even also been quoted, it, was, it wasn't in the article, as saying that going into the city is a luxury. If, again, if you're going to the city to see a Broadway show, or to go to Madison Square Garden to see the Knicks or the Rangers play, or a concert, or something like that, Okay, maybe you can argue that, but if you actually work in the city, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care if you're a hotshot lawyer or an accountant on Wall Street or a financier on Wall Street. It doesn't matter. $3,500 a year to drive into the city. You're not accounting for gas costs, by the way, which they want to tax as well, if you remember at the top of the article. We're not accounting for wear and tear on your vehicle, which you're going to have to pay for in service and maintenance and potentially repairs, because let's face it, the roads in and around the city are disgusting. They're disgraceful. There are potholes and issues all over the place. Should let dominoes do that, of course. So all our state government wants to do is grow and grow and grow and grow. The only way it can grow and spend more money is to take in more money. We, like this article showed and like we point out many, many times, are losing people. 84,000 more people left the state last year than those that came in. So we had a net loss of 84,000 people just last year alone. We've lost over 1 million people since 2012. That's huge. And obviously, we're not showing up to vote either. 70, 70% of New Yorkers do not vote. Does not matter what their political affiliation is. No one gets out to vote. That's a problem. That's why we're here. That's why we need to get out there. If you want to continue living in New York, like so many people do, nobody wants to leave. If you grew up here, there's so many positive things about New York. Whether you grew up in the city, whether you grew up on the island, whether you grew up north of Westchester County, wherever the hell you live. There are positive aspects of where you live. Maybe, yes, the area is run down. Maybe it's neglected by local and state officials. But there are positive aspects about it. There aren't too many things, if you think about it, that really need to be done to take back the stake. Step one is voting out these schmucks, replacing them with good quality conservative candidates that meet our values, that actually care about our communities, Lo um, electing local people who care. That's what we want. A lot of these people running for office, again, they're going there to get rich. They're going there to maybe run for president. Kirsten Gillibrand is. Um, uh, Bill de Blasio actually just found out yesterday, it's funny, in an Iowa poll that there's 0% interest in him running for president. He's not going to win. Cuomo might be running. Evan thinks this in 2024. It's a possibility. But, again, he's not going to win. He's not even going to, you know, Gillibrand is their best shot, and she's terrible. She's flip-flopped on every issue known to man. Cuomo is awful. He's been terrible for the state. Our taxes, yes, he did cap property taxes. Yay, whoopee. But guess what? That means they're still going to go up at most 2% every year. It's always going to be an increase. Why? Because they're continuing to spend more money. And for what? Crappy infrastructure, crappy mass transit. They do not serve us in any way, shape, or form. For what we pay, you would think that we'd have toilets and homes made of gold, but we don't. We need to get them out. We need to get government out of our lives and out of our pockets. And the only way to do that is to be aware of what's going on in your county, in your district, what's going on locally. Those are the people who have the most direct impact on your life. Justin says this all the time, and it's true. Politics is local. Do you know who your local representative is? I'm willing to bet many of you don't. And it's because... You only care about Cuomo. You only care about when you hear about Bill de Blasio, whether you go into the city a lot or you live in the city or you don't. Um, you only care about President Trump and all the people at the federal level. And yes, all of that's important. But if you don't know who your local representative is and how they're impacting the amount that you're paying in taxes, and if you don't know how they're impacting your municipality, the city or town or village that you live in, that's a problem. So 
we're here to make you aware of that. And we're here to bring you up to speed on what's going on. And just to show you, complacency is what got these people elected. And they're already uh, passing laws and they're finding new ways to screw us out of our hard-earned money. That's what they're doing. And that's why we need to get loud. We need to get angry. We need to fight back. I don't mean physically fight. So not, I'm not saying that we should uh, get, get involved in violence like Antifa, like a lot of left-wing groups do. I'm saying we need to become more politically involved. Watch this show. Share it with a fellow Empire State conservative or even someone on the left who's not happy with how things are going, whether it's at the local state level or at the federal level. Um, get involved with your local Republican, GOP, Libertarian groups, wh- wh- whoever you're involved with. Get involved. And then if you find a candidate or a person in your community who wants to run for office in 2020, help them. Whether you do it as a volunteer, maybe you can get on their staff. Who knows? Maybe you can run for office. Maybe you've lived there your whole life. You have a nice small business. You know the people and the area well, and you know that it's underserved, and you know that it can do better. Maybe you should run for office. These are all things that we can do on an individual level and all together. And that's why we started this network. And this is what we're up against. So I just want to make you aware of that. The last thing we're going to talk about today, this is in Time Magazine, an article written by Michael Cisak. New York's Attorney General opens an investigation to President Trump's business dealings. So, again, they've opened a civil investigation, um, taking action after his former lawyer told Congress, that was Michael Cohen, he exaggerated his wealth to obtain loans. A person familiar with the inquiry said Attorney General Letitia James, God, she's awful, issued subpoenas Monday to Deutsche Bank, an investor's bank, seeking records related to four Trump real estate projects in his failed 2014 bid to buy the NFL's Buffalo Bills. The person wasn't authorized, wouldn't you love that, people up in Buffalo? The person wasn't authorized to discuss the matter publicly and spoke on a condition of anonymity. The New York Times, a former newspaper, first reported the subpoenas. Thank you, Andrew Clavin. Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, told Congress in late February that Trump exaggerated his wealth and financial statements provided to Deutsche Bank when he was trying to obtain financing to buy the bills. Cohen told the House committee it was common for Trump to overstate his wealth when dealing with the news media or banks, but understate it when it came time to pay his taxes. Sounds like everybody. I, uh, Real quick, I don't care about his tax returns. I don't know when this became a thing. I have to look into this. When it became a ritual for someone running for president for public office to reveal their tax returns. I don't see what the problem is if you quote-unquote under a report. If you're not an employee, if you own a business, if you're someone like Donald Trump who does have massive wealth, whether you're over reports or under reports, who cares? You don't want to pay a ton of money, and we just went over why. What do you get in return by paying your quote unquote fair share in taxes? You get nothing. So if he doesn't want to disclose his tax returns, who cares? Who cares? I don't care. Do you care? Probably not. If you had the access to accountants and lawyers that he does, and you were able to find ways to find every tax loophole to pay your minimum amount, Warren Buffett only pays, what, 13% of what he makes in taxes, even though technically he's supposed to pay, like, well over 50%? It's because they know the system. Learn the system if you can't afford a high-powered accountant or a lawyer. It's not as complicated as you think. And obviously, they yes, they lowered the federal deductions, the whole salt crap. Okay, There are still other ways to get around it. Figure it out. Anyway, Deutsche Bank said in a statement that it remains, quote, committed to cooperating with authorized investigations. Messages left with New Jersey-based Investors Bank and the Trump Organization were not immediately returned. The subpoenas issued by the Attorney General seek loan applications, as well as mortgages, credit lines, and other documents related to the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C., 
buildings in Chicago and New York, and a golf course in the Miami area. Several congressional committees have also requested documents from Deutsche Bank. California Representative Maxine Waters, one of the most corrupt Democrats in the world, and head of the House Financial Services Committee, for the second time I believe, said last week that the bank is cooperating. Deutsche Bank has been one of the few major banks willing to regularly lend to Trump, whose past financial troubles scared off large New York banks. Trump's company borrowed billions of dollars from the German bank over the years. In May, five Democratic members of the House of Representatives sent a letter to Deutsche Bank CEO John Cryan asking the bank to turn in any records related to Trump's accounts and any ties to Russia. The bank refused, saying it had to respect legal requirements to keep client David private. Yeah, makes sense. And I don't believe, unless I don't, I don't really know the international law game, if they're a German-based bank, they probably don't have to provide this over. And they do have their own policy as they are a private bank. But anyway, James, a Democrat newly elected to office, pledged to look into Trump's business practices, saying after a victory last November that she'd be, quote, shining a bright light into every dark corner of his real estate dealings and every dealing. Trump has complained about James in waging a politically motivated vendetta against him. Her office is also overseeing a lawsuit against a Trump charitable foundation. James's predecessor sued Trump over the operations of Trump University, his real estate school then went belly up. Previously, a different New York State agency, which regulates insurance companies, launched an inquiry into Cohen's, Michael Cohen's, allegations that Trump also misled insurance companies about his financial worth. Trump has said Cohen is lying to get out of a prison sentence for tax evasion, campaign finance violations, making false statements to banks, and in lying to Congress. All right. So, obviously, the people of New York aren't huge fans of Trump in and around the city. Governor Cuomo is not a fan of his. De Blasio is not a fan of his. Obviously, Letitia James, when she got elected, that's one of the things she ran on. She was going to expose him for the fraud that he is. And yes, is Trump guilty of shady business dealings? He is. Has he had financial difficulties in the past? And that's why Deutsche Bank was one of the few banks that was willing to lend him the exorbitant amounts of money needed to create a lot of these properties. Yes. So what? So what? Russian collusion is off the table. The left has all but admitted it. They have nothing. Nancy Pelosi, it was either earlier this week or end of last week, said that it's not worth it to impeach Trump and try to impeach Trump, excuse me, and tried to spin it like it's not a big deal, that he's not worth it, that because the Democrats for some reason are confident that they're going to win in 2020. Uh, unless Joe Biden runs, I don't think they have a chance in hell. That said, and, and even then, I don't think they have a chance in hell, but he's the best chance they got. But that said, they know they have nothing in terms of Russian collusion. So already half of what Letitia James is looking for is off the table. She's just looking to discredit him. And that's what the left, that's what the Democratic presidential candidates, the DNC, that's what they're trying to do right now. They're trying to find every shady thing about Trump that they can. They're going to try and bring it to light and say, this is who is in the Oval Office. He's not a man of integrity. Obviously, we know about his sex capades with Stormy Daniels and other porn stars. And, I mean, we've known that for decades. This is nothing new. Dude's been married three times. So... And he cheated on his previous wife with the one that came after. So there's nothing new. Shitty business dealings. You heard about it. His issues with bankruptcy and, and finance. We've heard about it. This is all stuff that's public knowledge. And yes, may they find some dirt that doesn't bode well for him? Probably. But how involved or not was he? Who knows how well he covered his tracks? Even Michael Cohen couldn't throw him under the bus. He even said during his hearings he was not aware that he did Russian collusion and said he just tried to tarnish his character, said he was a racist, misogynist, and used all the words and key words that the left loves to use when it comes to President Trump. That's what they're doing here. And it's ridiculous that our taxpayer dollars are going to this investigation, which will probably uncover nothing that would surprise any of us. And she was only elected in November, so it hasn't been a lot of time, as you know, 
government runs very slow and very behind schedule. So, but I'm willing to bet around the time that the campaigning really heats up and the Democrats find their nominee and they start doing the debates before the election next year, they're going to try to bring as much of this crap out and dump it on people to try and get them to swing the other way. And unfortunately, again, some people argue that this isn't a great thing about who's in office, but this isn't stuff that we don't know. This isn't stuff that we don't suspect. Um, Whether it's good that we accept it as a nation is a whole other thing. But right now, there's no better alternative. There isn't. And overall, he's done a pretty good job in office. You got to admit that and you got to respect that. So when it's somebody who's actually done well, he's cut taxes, the economy is going pretty well, uh, cutting regulations. I'm not a fan of the budget. I won't bore you with that. Um, But for the most part, I I do like that, you know, for certain uh, entitlement programs, too. I hate that word. I hate that whole concept. Uh, I won't, again, I, maybe I'll do an episode on that at a later date. But he is making sure that certain people who are getting Medicare and Medicaid or getting certain uh, government entitlements and welfare programs, that they are, if they're physically or mentally cleared by a doctor, going to work. They're not just going to sit on the couch, collect a government check all the time. So they're going to have to work to receive the benefits and the assistance from the government, which is good. It's a good transition. And hopefully, whether it's him or someone who comes later down the line, Hopefully then we can kind of ease our way out of that because the only way we're ever going to balance the federal budget and get our country back in good financial shape because, yes, the economy is doing well, but we're in a ton of debt and it ain't going away. You know, according to the new budget plan, 2032 is when they would hope to balance the budget by. And obviously he's not going to be here by then. He's going to, you know, if he gets elected to another four years, he's going to be here through 2024, leaving, you know, eight to nine years of uh, somebody else in power. And who knows who's going to come in after him. So, we're not sure what's going to happen with that. With that said, this is just ridiculous that our taxpayer dollars, obviously going to the Mueller investigation, that's the federal tax dollars, right, to fund that investigation. And our state tax dollars are going towards this frivolous investigation. Again, it's not going to uncover anything that we don't already know. They would have, I'm sure Mueller would have found it and his team would have found something like that had they done it. And they were trying to go outside of it. They tried to get outside of Russian collusion, just painting him to be a bad guy because they got nothing. They got nothing. And there's, there, there, are there shady things about the president? Yes. In terms of business, in terms of, uh, in terms of how he treats women and what he does with, the, with behind closed doors? Yes. But again, nothing new, nothing we didn't already know. And the grab him by the pussy thing with Billy Bush came out a week or two before the election and you'll see how that turned out. Anyway, guys, if you like the show, please do me a favor. Again, we're on a mission here. We are. We're trying to wake up the conservative base in New York. You don't have to be far right. You don't have to be libertarian. Anyone right of center right? This is who this show is for. We have to get out there. We have to vote these people out of office because they're trying to take our money away in the form of taxes for very subpar service in the form of, again, infrastructure, mass transit, you name it. I'm sure there are many things about your locality that are being neglected by your local and state reps. And also, if you can, just share this with a fellow Empire State conservative that you know, or someone on the left, again, who's disenfranchised with how things are going on that side. It would really mean a lot to us. It would really help us out. And if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review or applicable on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube. However you're listening to this, we would really appreciate that. The last thing I want to talk to you about, too, is that we are paying to reach you. It's not cheap. And uh, we're just trying to recoup costs right now. We're not trying to make any money. Any money we make is going right back in to reaching more Empire State conservatives and just towards our ad costs. So if, so if you can afford just $5 a month, which you can do by going to our website, empirestateconservenetwork.com forward slash donate, you'll be able to donate on a monthly basis, just five bucks a month. You'll get the Don't Let Fear Take Your Freedom wristband right here for free. 
you'll also get access to our mailbag. So every Friday, Evan and myself do a show. This Friday, we're going to be hosting a Wrightstone Republican Club president. And uh, at the Lincoln Dinner, she will be the Republican Woman of the Year, Vicky Palladino, on the show. We're going to be discussing local politics in and around the city with her. And the reason we're talking about that is we're going to shed some light on what's going on with local GOP and Republican groups, the corruption inside the local Republican Party and the GOP in New York State, and why we need to vote out even a lot of these neocons and these snakes who talk a big game, but they stand by and let bills like what has transpired already pass. Now we're at a severe disadvantage, and we need to get more idealists into office, and she's one of them. So we're going to have her on to discuss what's going on there, and we're going to have on some other guests uh, coming up next week that we're going to be announcing in the very near future. Also, if you can afford $50 for the year, $70 or $10 a year, you get the wristband, you get the mailbag access to either address our guest or to gauge what we talk about on that given day. You'll also get the Empire Second Server Network hoodie, a name and our logo on the front, name and number on the back, so it's a small to 5XL, so no matter how big or small you are, there's a size for you. And again, it's just a way of saying thanks for supporting us and helping us on this journey. And, and again, just trying to recoup ad costs, nothing more. Like I said, we're on a mission and... Any way you can help support us, we would really appreciate. Guys, thank you so much for listening or watching. My name is Pete. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. It's Evan from Empire State Conservative Network. Please check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, on Instagram at GetRedPilledNY, and on Twitter at Empire State Cons. Also, check out our store at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com slash store for all current and future merchandise to help melt the snowflakes in your life. And as always, don't let fear take your freedom.